1: Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's amazing the things that people say to their friends and loved ones when they're worried or anxious. Things like, don't worry, never mind. Or if you've got your health, nothing else really matters, does it? Glib statements like these only seem to have an appeal when one is upbeat anyway. See, our emotions are mainly a product of our thoughts circumstances don't determine how I feel, but my response to them does. My mind is the interpreter of life events. When I interpret events in my life in a non-biblical way, that is failing to believe what God has said, I will be at the mercy of my feelings. To tell people to stop feeling the way they do is not only unhelpful, it's condemning. But helping them change the way they think will help them change the way they feel.
0: This is Set Free with Ken Legg. Thanks for joining us. And we're looking at the subject of winning over worry this week. And Ken, you've been sharing with us that the way we're wired is such that emotions are affected and corrected through the way we think. If I'm in a state of worry, then my thinking is probably faulty and that's what I need to focus on. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah. Yesterday we spoke about the two possibilities – Negative emotions can be produced because of physiological problems, things like chemical, hormonal imbalances. In fact, if I can just uh, pause on that point at the moment, I've done a lot of reading on this, and it seems that consistently the figures that I get back from both Christian and non Christian sources regarding things like depression is that 10% actually of cases fall into that category. That's the information that I've read so far. Now, whether that's up for debate or not, I don't know, but that seems to be consistent. So the main category does seem to be this psychological department, if I can put Mm -hmm. it that way. People get down
0: because they're not perceiving themselves or their circumstances or their world correctly. And that's actually very good news because that means that the majority of people, 90%, can actually change their thinking and get out of that place. Absolutely. And that's why
1: cognitive therapy today is so successful because it operates on this basis. Change the way a person thinks and you'll change the way they feel. So as a pastor, I've got no right to appeal directly to a person's emotions as the basis for their decisions and their commitments. You know, I've got no right really to hype them up into a state where they'll then give more money to the church or uh, they'll make a commitment to serve on the basis of that pure emotion alone because God wants us to reason our way through the decisions we make. For those decisions to come about as a result of us
0: reasoning on the basis of truth. Mm. I mean, God said, come, let us reason together. Yep. He wasn't, okay, let's all get emotional. It was it was that very cognitive kind of thing that you're talking about. Are you saying, though, that cognitive therapy is similar to biblical counseling, or what's the difference? Well, it is in as much as both operate on this principle, you know,
1: change the way a person thinks and you'll change the way they feel. Mm. The Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's the same principle. But, of course, how they set about doing that is totally different. You know, we use the Word of God and they use other concepts and so on.
0: Mm. Give us some examples of how the truths of God's Word can help to renew, us, renew our minds, you know, to set us free from the self-defeating thinking patterns, the, the things that get us in that spiral that's going down.
1: Yeah, one of the areas where we've found a lot of people have uh, found liberty and freedom is in the area of condemnation psychologists actually tell us that guilt is the number one killer today. Mm. And it's amazing how many people in the church, how many Christians are walking around with a load of guilt on their back. It's almost like it's a part of our culture. <laughs> mm. we, we project guilt on people. We manipulate by using guilt. Somehow there's this sort of subconscious feeling that it's it's spiritual to feel guilty. Then you're really spiritual because you should be feeling like that. Now, does that mean that Jesus died on the cross to forgive us our sins, to cancel them all out. But he still wants us to feel guilty and to feel a sense of uh, lack and coming short of what God wants us to be. No, surely, you know, the cross means that we are now righteous. So we've helped a lot of people make that transition from sin consciousness to righteousness consciousness. And I can tell you, Phil, the freedom that you can see upon their face and in their lives is truly something that's tangible, it's visible,
0: and it's encouraging to look at it. So that's one area. How do you practically do that though, Ken? Um, If you've wronged somebody and then you come to realisation of your wrong, Mm. and guilt is a natural consequence of that. So we've wronged God, we we come to realise what we've done, how we've offended Him. If I've done that to you, you can come to me and say, look, it's all okay, don't worry about it. Yep. that might not necessarily be enough for me to put that guilt aside. I may continue to feel guilty. And I think in the context yep. of a relationship between two people, it's the actual time factor where I can see Ken is genuine here. Yes. He actually, it is yep. actually not an issue for him. Yeah. How do we do that with God? How do we actually get past that place with God? Well, that's the whole point. I mean, you know, that's that's a subject. In fact, I think
1: we have even taken a whole week on that subject of of dealing with guilt because it's such a big subject, and uh, it's good that you've raised that. But the point I'm making is that it's one thing to feel guilt and to feel it because you know you've got to deal with some stuff. Okay, that's one thing. But it's totally another thing to walk around with this guilt Mm. full time permanently and almost wear it as a badge of honor because it doesn't do any good. It is a killer. It just debilitates people's lives, you know. Mm. Look, another area where people can be transformed in this whole area of negative emotions and so on is uh, inferiority. See, again, we actually tend to fall into the trap of copying things that are done in the world. What I mean by that is that we tend to compare with each other. Mm. We tend to compete with each other. We tend to measure ourselves against one another. The incredible thing is that God never does that. When you look at the scripture, he never says, Now you be like him as parents, you know, why can't you be like your brother? Why can't you be like your sister? <laughs> yeah. Which is not a very helpful thing when you think about it, because God never does that. And God doesn't want us to feel inferior. In any way, he wants us to feel that we are complete in Christ because of what he has done in our
0: place. Again, how do we do that practically? Even from a a scriptural perspective, you could justify feeling inferior because Scripture tells us to consider others greater than ourselves. Yeah. That's not in in terms of value or worth because
1: we're all of the same value before God. But it's basically saying don't be selfish, you know, put others before yourself in Mm. in your thoughts and your actions, just as Christ didn't think of himself but lay down his life for us, you know. Mm. Good points. What else we got? Well, uh, another area, and this is uh, um, one that I had to deal with um, comparatively recently, I would say, but it was just such a liberating thing in my life because this pattern was self-repeating. And it was this, that um, I'd always get into a situation where I felt... Things weren't going my way. Then i get down, I'd get depressed, I'd get angry. I'd complain, I'd whinge, I'd murmur, just like the children of Israel in the wilderness and uh, have a good old... Pity rum. party. Yeah, pity party. <laughs> and uh, Aren't they fun? Yeah, they're, they're great times, you know. The thing is, God challenged me with these words. Have I ever brought you into a situation where you are deficient, where you are without resources to deal with that situation? Have I... Never said to you that my grace will not be sufficient for you in that situation. Have I ever said that to you? Never. So I had to come to that place of really accepting what the Word of God says, is that whatever life throws at me, I'm already fully empowered to meet that situation. Mm. I am complete in Him. Mm. I am sufficient for all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Mm. And finally, despair is another one, isn't it? That's uh, an issue. Despair. Have... Now, now again, people. despair is quite a major thing because if people get into a situation where they feel their circumstances are hopeless, then that's very dangerous, you know, because they, they've just got nowhere to go. But here are some things that I've used and I've found helpful in counseling and pastoring and mentoring others. Number one, God is in control. God is in control. You know, he, he says, um, no test or temptation will ever come your way but such as is common to man. And I will never allow you to be tempted beyond that which you're able, I'll never bring you in a situation where you're out of your depth. My grace will always be sufficient for you. Number two, trials are opportunities for experiencing God's grace. That's why we have them, because grace is the best thing for us. We grow by grace. So the more we can call upon God's grace, the more we're going to grow in our walk. Number three, um, he says, whatever happens, he is going to make all things work together. Good. So we can't lose. Even the bad times are going to be made to work for good in our lives. And number four, we are, of course, training for reigning. This life is uh, but a preparation for huge responsibilities that God has got for us in the life to come.
0: Good advice this week on winning over worry. We'll have more for you tomorrow. And until then, remember you don't have to carry that baggage because God wants you to be set free.
1: For books, DVDs, small group studies and other resources from Ken Legg, including the book What's Eating You, which features topics from today's message, visit the Vision Christian store at vision.org.au. That's vision.org.au.